Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast, featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Wow, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, love is in need of love. Really, the the title for today's talk is "Is Evil Real?" And the short answer on the unseen plane, on the plane of re reality? No, it's not. Evil is the absence of love. But in the physical plane, we see a lot of evidence of evil. And what is really needed is love. And when we bring love to it, we can create amazing things. Now, evil can be on the massive context like I was reading this young 25-year-old woman's plea. She's from North Korea. And some of you might have seen that on Facebook. Terrible description of what goes on in North Korea these days. She talked about when she was nine, how um, her girlfriend's mother was shot right in front of them. What was her offense? She had watched a Hollywood movie. There, there was plenty more that she talked about of the horrors of that, that um, living in North Korea. But I think we would all agree that is evil. It's the complete absence of love. So it can be something horrific like that or it can be something that seems minor like jealousy. So... I'm going to tattle on these two, <laughs> but that it's such a wonderful process coming up with the songs every week. And some, some of you talk about, oh my God, the, the music just blended in with the talk. How did that happen? <laughs> well, it's... Yeah, it's actually on purpose. We, we go back and forth with this. But this particular week... Victor had this idea for this song that they just sang, and I said, oh, that's a great song. And then Eric piped in with, well, I don't want to sound childish, but I've had a dream since I was nine years old to be able to sing that song. And so, <laughs> so what I love about that was that he was humble enough, he had enough love for himself, that he stood up for that nine-year-old and said, hey, how about me? And because we've created this loving musical community here of Soul Shine, it was like, oh, we can't leave that nine-year-old out. <laughs> and so the result was this duet that was so amazing, wasn't it? So much better. So... <laughs> So love creates something so much more wonderful than anything we could imagine. And it's kind of like with meditation. We're going to have these experiences that fall into the evil category in that they are not love. They are not us being our finest selves, maybe. There are insecurities creeping out. But if we respond to them with love then anything that looks like evil dissolves. Because evil is unreality. It's the absence of love. 
When we look at circumstances and people that we label evil, we, it's always going to come back to love was missing. In the description, I talked about uh, Lord Voldemort and um, Darth Vader. And, you know, in our literature, we have so many examples of villains. And, and the villains are so evil-seeming. Sauron. Yeah, Sauron. Um, you, you take your favorite, <laughs> your favorite story, you're going to have one, and, and they're the ones that we're so glad when they go down, right? Come on, admit it. We, <laughs> we're not cheering for them. <laughs> but the key to being spiritually aware with this is not labeling them as evil no matter what it is that they have done, their deeds are evil. They are lacking in love. The person who does it, whether it's the minor thing or the major thing, is lacking in love. Let's just take one for the Harry Potter fans and for those of you who aren't, it's so sad for you. Anyway, <laughs> but Lord Voldemort, who's this horrible, horrible creature. He, he has lost his humanity in, in the course of it. You see, there, there is nothing left that we would label human. And yet, when you look back at his upbringing, here's somebody whose father abandoned him while he was still in the womb whose father actually, he was conceived because his mother used a spell on this guy that she wanted to have relationships with. And, and so there wasn't really love even in the conception. And as soon as the spell wore off, he was gone. And his mother was so beaten down, they describe her as being so gray that she blended into the walls because she had grown up with a father and a brother who were very hateful toward her. And so she didn't have the strength of character to even, even though she was a witch and had a wand, to defend her own life. And she just faded into death, leaving this boy alone to grow up in an orphanage where it was kind of a dog-eat-dog environment. And then he went from there on to Slytherin, which, again, for those of you who are fans, <laughs> Slytherin was, was the house in the wizarding world that was all about competition and getting to the top at any cost. So this is the environment into which this boy, who will become this evil lord, is raised. Lacking love at every turn. So as we look at him, it's easy to label him as evil, but rather than focus on him as evil, we have to see here is somebody who was deprived of love. And if we intensify that by looking at him and saying, oh, I hate him, or substitute for Lord Voldemort, whoever it is in your personal world or in our global world who is guilty of wrongdoing in our opinion. Whoever is connected to the absence of love. We only compound that in our world 
if we say, I hate that person, if we demean them, if we are unkind in our thoughts, and it's hard not to do that. Because in the presence of evil behaviors, we get pulled into it. It's like a black hole that we get sucked into. In this season of nonviolence, it was created because of a man named Mahatma Gandhi and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., both of whom were assassinated, both of whom spent their lives in the pursuit of change through nonviolent action. This is a wonderful book, Gandhi the Man by Eknath Esawarn. Um, what he says in here is that he could never hate another person. He says, I hold myself to be incapable of hating any being on earth. But I can and do hate evil wherever it exists. I hate the system of government that the British people have set up in India. I hate the ruthless exploitation of India, even as I hate from the bottom of my heart the hideous system of untouchability for which millions of Hindus have made themselves responsible. But I do not hate the domineering Englishmen as I refuse to hate the domineering Hindus. I seek to reform them in all the loving ways that are open to me. My non-cooperation has its roots not in hatred, but in love. He talked about, in 1930, he decided that I think maybe a turning point for him was when the British, so the, the British were really exploiting the Indians. They were using them as a colony to take their resources without, without making the Indian people benefit from that in any way. And so they had this rule where they decided, okay, from now on, we're gonna have a monopoly on salt and nobody is allowed to um, profit from the salt except for the English. And Gandhi just said, no, I'm not gonna cooperate with that. So that's where our power is with evil. We don't have to cooperate with it. He says, if we cooperate with evil, then we give it power. So he did what has become this famous salt march and he, he heads out, and he gets some people from the, that are going with him, and he stops at every village. And it was the early days of photo ops, so he's getting more and more newsreel publicity. But within, within India, it was electric what was happening, because he was saying to the people, we don't have to cooperate with this. And he was very clear that his resistance would not be violent. He was so clear about it that if there was even a whiff of violence, he would shut down the protest. Shut it down completely. And everybody knew that. He talks about, when we talk about nonviolence, it's a problem lost in translation because 
In, in fact, we even I rephrased it as, let's call it the season of compassionate action because I don't want to focus on the negative of nonviolence. But it was saying in here, to think of it as nonviolence is like saying, well, the power of light is non-darkness. You know, that just doesn't, that doesn't communicate what light is. The India, Indian word for it is satyagraha and also ahimsa. Those two words together really communicate. Satya means truth. And graha is a force. So it, this is like a soul force is what he was embodying. Ahimsa is like an inability to show anything but kindness for any being. So he was bringing that force that soul force of knowing that we are all in this together. And the British are suffering as much as the Indians are suffering in this particular battle. He was loving toward his opponents because he never lost sight of they are as much an emanation of the light as, as anybody else and he would hold that high watch for them. He changed the course of history in India. India became independent. But along the way, he had to use this force. There, he was imprisoned so many times, joyfully. He was beaten. His followers were beaten. They were thrown in prison. They were shot. They all knew going into it that this could happen. And they were okay with it. They were not attached to their personal well-being because there was a greater power at work. Most of us are probably not called to be thrown in prison and beaten for what we believe to be truth. But we may be called to do things that make us uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sorry. We, this week when I was in Mexico, I had the opportunity to do stand-up paddleboard. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I look at other people and their pictures, and I think, ah, I want to do that. And there was a paddleboard in the place that we were staying in. And my friend that I was staying with wanted to do it too. And she's saying, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't had a chance yet to listen to your talk last week, but I'm sure that this is relevant. <laughs> um, because I was scared. What was I scared of? Well, I'm, I might fall. I might land in the cold water. Now, on a scale of I might be shot and killed to I might fall and land in the cold water, I'm pretty sure I'm down on the low end of risk. <laughs> but it didn't matter. I was still scared. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. And Fortunately, I overcame that and I said, all right, all right, we're going to do it. And then 
thanks to Jeff's help, we didn't actually fall in. <laughs> but, and, and it t ended up being easier than I thought it would be. But what I'm saying is that even with something like that, even with something I wanted to do and I have wanted to do for a long time, I was still right on the edge of saying no because I might be uncomfortable. We all have to ask ourselves, what are our edges? Where do we allow fear or uncomfortableness to hold us back? Where are we dabbling in hate and evil instead of being committed to this sole force of kindness for all without exception. It's so easy to fall into that. Ultimately, if we want love rather than the absence of love, it requires our energy. It requires us to say to everyone, I will be here with you. I will not abandon you in my thoughts. I remember Mary Morrissey used to say that she realized that the alleyways of her mind were a very dangerous place for some people to find themselves. <laughs> You know, we, we, we want to make ourselves far more virtuous because we have not pulled a trigger, maybe, or stabbed with a knife another human being. But our thoughts are powerful. In unity, one of our teachings is our thoughts create our reality. What are we doing with our thoughts? Is love present or absent? Because if it's absent, we are in the realm of evil. But we don't have to stay there. In Aramaic, there is a word, um, I think it's bisha, and it means it's been translated into sin and evil, but it, it means unripe. So the thing that's beautiful about unripe is it can ripen. And it can ripen because we put our attention on love. Someone was telling me this week that he'd gotten caught up in all these thoughts of evil and he was feeling worse and worse. Well, yeah. You will. You know, what, what are you doing on Facebook? Are you spreading love or are you marinating in fear and <coughs> hatred? You know, both of those things are going on. What are you doing with your thoughts and your actions? Focus on love. Focus on kindness. Take it off of the thing that is making you upset because it's not going to get better 
by focusing more on the upset. It's going to, just like if you're in a room and it's all dark in there, you're not going to get any change by saying, oh, it's so dark in here. I hate this dark. Why does it have to be dark? It shouldn't be dark. You are going to get relief by turning on the flipping light. <laughs> That's what we have to do. And we have to be that light, that love for one another. We need to stand by one another and not ever, ever step away. Because that other, that other is just our face in the mirror. There is no technical other out there. Just many expressions of one love beating through the whole universe.